Hi everyone, Eric here. Now, I know that since you almost certainly looked at the title of this episode before you clicked on it, you know that it is not Season 8, Episode 7. Due to some unforeseen circumstances, the release of the next episode of our Monster of the Week scenario will be delayed for a week. But of course, I couldn't leave you without any content on the feed. And so, we've decided to publish our Yellow King RPG side quest called Cold as Ice, a four-episode series from our Patreon based on a blog post written by Yellow King RPG creator Robin Laws. This short series features two new art students in 1895 Paris, students who run in the same circles as our characters from Season 1 and Season 5, and are played by Nature of My Game regulars Sarah Lovejoy and Lindsay Brown. So, instead of one new episode today, you get four. And to let you in on a little secret, this won't be the last time you hear from these characters either. Thanks for your understanding on the delay, and I truly hope you enjoy this short aside from our regularly scheduled content. If you'd like to gain access to the rest of our Patreon-exclusive content, you can support us at the $5 tier at www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. And now, with no more ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy Episode 1 of Cold as Ice. Welcome to the Nature of My Game Patreon content. Um, for those of you listening, uh, it should have just been New Year's, so Happy New Year. Happy 2023. Uh, really excited to be here today with two of my absolute favorite people in the entire world. Um, from Season 2 and Season 4 of the Nature of My Game podcast, Sarah Lovejoy. Hi, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> And uh, from season four and from uh, the first Patreon content, Lindsay Brown. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> Hi. Yay. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is going to be so fun. I'm super excited. Um, so um, before we dive into a little bit of banter and then start out our session, I do want to let people know what we're doing. Uh, we are playing actually a kind of a side quest Um in the Yellow King RPG, this is taking place just a few days after season one of uh, of the Nature of My Game podcast. Um, these are a couple of other art students in Paris. They are um, maybe they know our our um, our main art students. Maybe they don't. We, that we'll we'll see whether that comes up at any point. Um, but. You know, the, the touch of the Yellow King in Paris um, is not only limited to affecting those three art students. And so we'll we'll see we'll see what comes up for these two. Uh, but before we start that, um, it's it's the new year. Um, not for us, but for the people listening. Um, <laughs> the future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you two feel about New Year's resolutions? Mm. I feel like I... I genuinely waffle every year on it, on the idea. I love, like, I love 
any chance of like, I mean, I love all holidays. I just think it's so fun to celebrate things. And so like, I love the idea of like the new year being like, I'm going to restart. Like I'm going to get like, you know, like fresh and all that kind of stuff. And as we close out 2022, as we're recording <laughs> this, um, I will tell you that almost all the things I wrote down that I resolved to do, I like did not quite get to, but, <laughs> but I think like, instead of feeling guilty about it, it's nice to have something that you're like, this is a goal of mine and I want to like work towards that. And even if like you don't, like, I feel like when you have the mindset of it's great to like work towards it, even if you don't get all the way with it, like you're probably more than you did like before, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I kind of, I kind of think they're, I think they're fun. Um, if you make them like, if you make them not like this, like <laughs> binding contract that like, <laughs> you know, makes you hate yourself if you don't do it. So do you have a 2022 resolution that you want to share with the group, uh, about what <laughs> yeah. that you, that you like maybe accomplished a little bit of, but maybe not quite all the way there? Yes, absolutely. So I will say, like, I I love to read. And then during 2020 and 2021, for some reason, I think just like during the pandemic, it's really hard for me to like find anything that I like connected with. And that like sucked because I think reading is like such a creative outlet and whatnot. So I was like, I want to read 30 books this year, um, which is uh, so I am friends with um, Eric's wife, Kelsey, on Goodreads, and that is a far cry from the number that she puts on, which I think is like 100 books a year or something yeah, like no, that. Not, not this oh year, God. certainly, but, yes, yeah. but in the past, um, yes. Right, exactly. Um, so I put down 30 books, and I have gotten to 25, which I That's great. was... I'm very proud of myself. That's yeah, so. that's great. Thank you. So I think the plan is, honestly, for next year, I'm going to try for 30 again to see if I, I love can it. see if I can do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, I, I as someone who has also set um, slightly too ambitious reading goals and gotten near the end of the year without you know being being kind of close but not quite there, the last couple of weeks of the year, really great time to read. You. You still could make it. Honestly, five books, <laughs> especially over the holidays, is yeah. is doable. It's doable. That's I mean, true. I you're, if you're traveling. You're right. Yep. Right. Like the 27th, 28th, 29th. What, what else are you doing? I That's mean, true. like you're just sitting at home, cozy yeah. reading. And you'll probably right. get a book for Christmas. Like Totally. My family always has like the after Christmas reading party. It's just like the house is a mess and everyone's like in a quiet corner somewhere like reading. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I mean, it is my favorite time to read because it's like yeah. I want to I want to I don't want to do work. I'm not cleaning. Yeah. I'm like not functioning at all as a human. It's whatever that meme is like that week between Christmas and New Year. You, sh you should just become a couch. Like that's <laughs> what. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, five books is like not impossible. So yeah. get a young I'll, adult uh, in there. A graphic oh, yeah. novel, maybe a, maybe a nice up. novella. Oh, yeah, I used a novella to reach my reading goal one time, and I felt great about it afterwards. <laughs> Honestly, I yeah. really did. Yeah, I think graphic novels are like you know. Yeah. I just think because I just eat them. You know, you just go through it. You eat it up really fast. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you Amazing. for the inspiration. Thanks for the you end of it. your push, you guys. You <laughs> got it, Sarah. What about you? Uh, are you a resolution person? Um, not necessarily resolutions, but I really do like using the end of the year to sit and like reflect on the year past and think about like a mindset that you want for the next year. As I've gotten older, I've become just more and more like woo woo, um, or I've leaned into it more. <laughs> and the last two years I set like intentions, like chose words for the year. And that was really nice. Like last year, I really did a whole journaling process and like came up with these three words and really thought about them a lot through the year and I think it, it had an it had an impact. 
I love it. Do so you have that. a? Is, yeah. yeah, and it's okay if you if you don't. But was there a 2022 word that you, that uh that really stood out to you that you you were going to try to do and then did? Yeah, I came up with like three. It was like intention or like being intentional, expansive, and growth. And wow. I really Ooh. did feel like you know in the beginning of the year I like consciously like journaled about them and like thought about them and when I look back at the year like that happened hell yeah so yeah I I haven't you know I have to wait till the first to actually choose those for this year (laughs) but (laughs) I was so excited to hear what they are (laughs) yeah Yeah. Sarah is absolutely like the person that she seems to be like like when she says (laughs) that she like sits and takes time to reflect like I, I I like I'm sure that that is like an hours long process where you're like you oh, light yeah. a candle and you like all the lights <laughs> yeah. go down and you like you like very into like you're, yeah, yeah. You're, there's no like there's no there's no exaggeration or hyperbole yeah, when it comes to what, real. <laughs> but it's actually you know what it is I hadn't remembered this a really good friend of ours that we all have in common Matt got me um, the artist's way for Christmas mm. uh, like over a year ago. And I yeah. started doing it. And so like morning pages and like waking up and the first thing you do is write three pages, like stream of consciousness. I did that not every day this year, but like more days than I didn't. And um, it was great. So that I went in, that. you know, it wasn't like yeah. I'm going to write every morning as my New Year's resolution, but it was part of being intentional. <laughs> I laughed the other day. Not only does Sarah post poetry regularly on Instagram, but she recently posted something that she was inspired to, I think, to find or to look up because of something she had journaled, like a phrase oh, yeah. that she that had journaled. That was personal to put on which the is, internet, too. I don't usually do that. <laughs> I, that, I, that just I, I honestly blew my mind. Like, you were both oh. reflecting in a journal and then wrote something that was so inspirational that you went and found a poem that related to it. It's just, well, I, that's a whole other sound level. like very fancy. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is not a phrase that I came up with. This came from somewhere else. <laughs> I love that. I love that self-citation. Sarah does yeah. post the best poetry, though. I love but, reading the poems that you that was that like you, you know have put up. You know, the pandemic brought some gifts to my life, and one was like, how do I make sense of this world when I cannot read books anymore for some reason? And poems yeah. were like bite size. She she Thanks. sends poems to friends for Valentine's Day. It's it's, oh, yeah. it's really quite a scene. That's, that's, we're really just <laughs> oh bringing out all my like Jesus oh. <laughs> warmest qualities really at the start of this. <laughs> we're all we're all lucky to be in this world with Sarah. I think because of all these things. Listeners just falling in love across the world here and there. I actually I, I'm sorry I, I have to say this. Literally, as I was casting season two, Kelsey was like. You know, just everybody's gonna fall in love with Sarah, right? Like, just just every <laughs> listener is gonna fall in love with Sarah. I was like, yeah, well, that's kind of the point, right? <laughs> oh, you know, I've not had many people knocking on my door since the podcast began, but um, I, maybe our listenership is not is <laughs> the door's not closed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, You're man. like, there's not a lock on there. I mean, here. <laughs> so it's, it's cracked a little bit. If you <laughs> toss some rocks on my window instead, maybe I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh, so cute. Oh man, um, I I am not a big resolution person. This probably isn't going to come as a surprise. Um, the, the this podcast is like the first thing that I've ever like, other than like I don't know, my relationship with my wife uh, is like the first thing I've ever followed through. With on in my entire life. Um, I do not believe that. <laughs> what? I know. No, that doesn't vibe with you at all. 
I, I mean, like, like no. live your truth, but for some reason, I also feel like you're just someone who just like you make up your mind about something and you just like go and do no, it. No, no, like you know? uh, like <laughs> de- decision making, sure, but like I am, mm-hmm. I am absolutely the person that has these like wild, elaborate ideas, and like I really get joy out of the like process of thinking about them, and like I don't actually care that much that I don't follow through on them. Mm-hmm. Um, A dreamer. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the type of person who will like spend time writing down every country in the world like on a spreadsheet and like starting to to like tabulate the places that I've been and like dream about going to every single one but like the fun was writing them all down for me like I I would love to go to all of them but I know that's never gonna happen but like Mm -hmm. I you know it was like a couple of hours that I spent and I like enjoyed like looking at all the countries so that was good enough for me like I'm that type of person so I don't know what type of person that is, but that that is something I've done. So, a user, maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe a user. Um, yeah. But anyways, I feel like my resolutions are always like health related, and they always like fall apart like immediately. So, um, mm, I'm glad same. that the two of you really are inspired by the new year. Well, yeah, I wouldn't want to make because then that's like just telling you what you can or can't do, and that doesn't feel fun. But if it's like. Mm-hmm. To be more healthful or like to be more mindful, then I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just resolutions, right? That are ex- expansive, right? Like making your, I don't know, like widening that your word, life, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. That was her yeah, word. That was her word. That's that's like, there you go. I know. In it's there. in my head now. It's in my head now. That's I love like, that yeah. practice. It's like, I want to do that now. I want to write down the words. Yeah. I'm like going to, going to It started as like, yeah. I think it started as a lesson. I was like, oh man, like we are doing remote school and like, yeah. We need a lesson that makes kids want to do something and like not just log off. And it was like mm-hmm. these like pretty slides where you put it in different words. Fun. Love it. Mm-hmm. Alright, so all of this has really just been a way for me to avoid getting started because I'll be I'm I'm gonna admit to our loyal Patreon subscribers that I'm nervous about this. Um so normally when I run these games and normally when I ran games uh pre podcast I'm, I love a pre-written scenario. I'm a big pre-written scenario guy. I like I like being able to take something that something somebody else created and really kind of, you know, I can adapt it to to fit the characters and the story. But I, I like having the information at my fingertips. Um, that is not the case for what we're doing here today. Um, so we are running a scenario based on a blog post called "Snowy Streets, Icy Hearts," uh, which was written by the creator of the Yellow King RPG, Robin Laws. Um, but it's really just a scenario hook. It's not, it's not a, it's not a fully formed scenario. And so I'm showing Lindsay and Sarah right now, these two pages here in my notebook mm. are all the notes that I have for this. Um, cool. and so we're just going to kind of wing it and see how Doing it goes. It live. I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> um, so let me set the scene a little bit, uh, but all of the listeners need to forgive that this, it's not going to sound like I'm reading anything, which sometimes it does because Oftentimes I am reading something to set the scene. This is just off the top of my head, so we're going to see how this goes. Um, so it's late February 1895. Uh, it's just a couple of days after the events of season one. And a, an, an uncharacteristic and serious snowstorm has hit Paris. And for whatever reason, our two characters, uh, Rose and Manu, were together they're friends they were together when it when it started snowing at manu's paris apartment and because the snow was so bad rose decided to stay and so um the two of you are 
in the apartment. It's, uh, you know, mid-morning, mid to late morning. The snow is still coming down. It's it's really bad. Like, it's very cold. It's it's The weather is really bad out there. Would love for the two of you to just kind of describe what your character looks like, who they are a little bit for me. Um, whoever wants to go first is fine. Sarah's pointing at Lindsay, so. Oh, okay. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, So my character, uh, her name is Rose Fallaby, um, and she is a sculptor um, at this institution. And the way I would describe Rose, um, when she, so she's an American, um, and she had spent time when she was young, she had sort of a rough, rougher upbringing. She had spent time in, um, in a, uh, in a factory as a worker. Um, and I think that that, uh, that sort of life and experience has, has hardened her a little bit. Um, her passion lies in art and obviously she has pulled herself out of that, um, that situation of where she was in America and and has found herself at this great institution. You know, she's learning to sculpt. Um, But I think that behind her art and sort of behind herself as a person is, is a little bit of like a a simmering sort of feeling. Um, She, she's very clear on what she wants. Um, She is a hard worker um, and can potentially come off as a little cold to those who don't know her simply because she's just very focused. Um, but those who are closer to her can understand that she, there's no one more loyal. There's no one more dedicated. Um, and her warmth can come through more in the way that she is protective of people, um, supportive of them. Um, she might not be the, the chattiest person in the world, but, um, you know, it it can be a very solid friend. Um, and I think that, you know, being at Rose or being at, um, Manu's apartment and and the snow coming down and whatnot for her, it was just a very practical decision. It's the weather is too bad. She simply cannot leave. Um, I also think that she gleans a lot from her friendship and relationship with, um, Manu, who's uh, potentially more like softer and more interesting vibrant side um and so she's probably feeling uh she's feeling content in being able to spend this extra time together so you're saying that baby it's cold outside is not playing in the background <laughs> <laughs> i mean what is uh baby le froid uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry in advance for the French phrases I'm going to try and slip in from I love uh, high school fr- French. I yes, love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Both of you speak more French than I do, so. Very rusty. Um, oh, I'm so glad you're happy to be in my apartment. That's wonderful. <laughs> it did start practical. You know, it was like we were somewhere and it was like, my place is closer. Let's just go warm up there. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Some girls time. Um, were you going to say anything else about? <laughs> oh no, go was... ahead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Manu is French and has lived her entire life in France. She grew up on a small farm a few hours from Paris. Uh, she looks, I guess, in my mind, it's like how you would picture a young, beautiful girl from a farm in France in a romance novel or something. She has, like, (laughs) long, blonde, like, tousled curls and big blue eyes, maybe, like, um, a heart-shaped face, rosebud lips, you know, like, the whole, the (laughs) whole thing. (laughs) Wind is always slightly blowing, right? Yeah, just, like, the curls are, like, loose, you know, she's not, like, spent time being quaffed or anything like that. She's She's a stereotype, but, like, in a good way. 
Right. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just they like, built the stereotype off of her. Exactly. That's why I exactly. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. She is the epitome, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just knew that this farm was, this provincial life was not for her, to quote <laughs> Belle. You know, like, it's just not, it's not it. <laughs> um, and yeah, just has like a great joy for life and ha- brings that to Paris with her. Her apartment is like, has colorful glasses and none of them match and she found them at the flea market or someone gave it to her and she keeps it because it reminds the, her of them, them, that sort of a thing. And so she's she's not an artist, correct? She's she's a she's she's in, she's around the art scene. Yes, she's you know, she is inspired by the world. She dabbles in the arts, but herself does not does not create um, a specific body of work, I guess. Great. And so um, in game terms, Sarah is playing the muse character. Um, and so she is more the subject of art than the creator of art. Yes. But she certainly um, does not walk around saying, I am a muse. You know, I am just, a muse. It, find, it finds her, it, you know, it guides her life in the same way that uh, really anything could guide one's life. Of course, of uh, course. Listen, a good muse never has to name. They don't have to. Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, they know, but... Everyone yeah. knows, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I didn't give a physical description of Rose. Should I do that? Sure. I apologize for jumping in. So, really quick, because as Manu was being described, I was like, oh, let me tell you what, like, what Rose looks like, too. So, Rose, I feel like you could say is a slight antithesis of that. She's very, like... She is wearing, like, very plain clothes. We're talking, like, you know, like a gray or brownish, like, dress. Like, it's probably as, like, fitting as it can be as possible. She is, like, preternaturally wearing constantly uh, an apron that's, like, dirty because she's just always ready to create. She carries her tools around with her. She has, um, like, a chestnut brown hair that she keeps um, either in a braid or a tight bun. Um, at the back of her head, but there's always just a little bit of disarray to it that is potentially surprising for someone like her. So, cool. That's how cool. I describe her. Yeah. Um, and Sarah Manu's last name is Kasut. Kasut. Okay, cool. Manu Kasut. Um, and so, um, I do want to do. You know, we we didn't we didn't get a chance to do this in character creation, so we're going to do it now. It's going to become a Patreon staple. Doing um, it live. We're going to ask yeah. a, ask a couple of questions <laughs> just to kind of dig into the you know dig into the mindsets of um, of your characters. So let's start with Manu. Um, what is something that everyone knows about Manu? Hmm. Wow. Like anybody who passes her on the street. Oh, what do anyone they know passes about her? her on the street. Yeah, just like what you know, it, you know, like everybody knows this about her. Like if you know, if you've ever, if you, if you, if you've heard her name, you know this about her. Oh, probably she's like a, a yes person, say yes person. Like there's, love it. you want to go to the market? Yes. There's a party? Yes. Love it, love it. Um, and what about Rose? What's something everybody knows about Rose? Um, something everyone knows about Rose um, is that she is. Rose is always um, moving at a pace that one could describe as urgent. She okay. is not like a wanderer. She's always, always like almost a run, pretty much. Cool. So, so yeah. maybe this, maybe this like respite um, because of the snowstorm is like a little off-putting for her. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, love it. Love I will it. make you feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Comfortable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't be so cozy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sarah's. I know Sarah's nervous about her French accent that she's going to use for this game. So uh, just send her all the love that you can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It'll get great. better. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right, so Rose, to you, um, to you to start. What's something that um, Rose's friends and family? Um, I don't know who Rose's friends and family are, but what is something that Rose's friends and family know about her? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I think about Rose, I think that she she actually has a, a rather large family left behind in America. Okay. Um, I think at that time, you know, they have like limited contact with each other, obviously, because we're just talking letters and, you know, like weeks apart and things like that. But um, I think her closest friends and family know um, that she can be a very generous person, even if she's not generous with like her emotions or, you know, like touch or that sort of thing. Um you know, what little money she has is like, it's hard for her to see someone like begging on the street where she doesn't like slip them something discreetly or, you know, like shares half her lunch with someone. And I think just a lot of that comes from what was, uh, was a more thin upbringing when she was in America. Cool. Thank you. Um, yeah. (laughs) Manu, what about you? What's something that friends and family know about Manu? I would say maybe friends do not, like Parisian circle friends do not know this, sure. but her family does. Um, her life seems so easy and charmed, but growing up, she very much felt like the oddball. Like, she also comes from a big family, um, hardworking family, you know, farming family, and she just felt very misunderstood. And, like, they would make jokes about her, just head in the clouds, like they didn't understand her. Um, cool. Love it. Um, Manu, what is something that only one or two people know about her? Maybe only one or two people would know that she is suffers from like deep loneliness. Like when she's not surrounded by people, it's like interesting. All right. Uh, And Rose, what's something that only one or two people know about Rose? Um, Only one or two people know about Rose. She has fears that she is not refined enough to be taken seriously in the sculpting world. Wow. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. A lot of, of, we got some bonding to do. A lot of weight on these ladies. (laughs) Snowy slumber party. Like, we got some (laughs) secrets to spill. Yeah. Uh, What does yield talk now? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The wine is flowing. Yeah. Oh, um, and so then uh, finally, and this this can be this can be your deuce peculiar business if you'd like it to be, or it can be something else. Um, but Rose, um, what is something that no one knows about Rose? Mm. I'm just gonna tell you guys straight up. You forgot your deuce peculiar. No, no, I no, no, I have it. But am I? Allowed, it's not like supposed to come out in the story. Like I can just say it now. You can say it now, and then it can come out in the story. This okay, is okay. this is this is out of character. You're not sharing this with Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. This. Okay. You're sharing so, this with the audience. Yes, audience. This is juicy stuff. Okay. Rose has mm-hmm. been in the. In the Manu, business you're of, Manu. Oh, sorry, Manu. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> this is why we do this. Manu has been in the business of being amused for some time now, and it has recently been brought to her attention that more than one of the artists for whom she has uh, been inspiring have come to an untimely end. And she Mm. is starting to just, it's like a shadow behind her that she's like realizing this is happening and doesn't want to admit it to herself. Cool. Um, Okay, so for Rose, all I'm going to say is that Rose Mm. grew up in a religious household and she has... To only known to herself some very serious concerns that this 
passion, uh, this art that drives her, may be coming from a dark place. Mm. So Shit. it's a little bit of a, you know, is God speaking through me or is the devil? So. Ooh, Damn. I love that. I love that. Yeah, okay. Amazing. All right. So um, as I said, it's it's mid-morning. Uh, in in Manu's uh, Parisian apartment in the Latin Quarter in Paris. It's still coming down outside. Um, you know, there's a little bit of sun out, and so the, the you know, the, the snow is kind of glowing outside. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it seems nice, right? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasant morning. And the two of you are probably sitting, talking, as you have been, um, since you're kind of snowed in together. And you hear a knock on the door. I think Manu bustles over like, who is it? Just not concerned. Police. Oh, well, almost immediately, I think. Um, Rose probably has like a cup of tea or, you know, whatever they're drinking in the morning. Um, She stands up and uh, from where she's sitting and and sets it down and just sort of looks to Manu with a air of concern. And I think any sort of fear or nerves that Manu feels instantly just shakes it off. Like, "Ah, it is nothing and goes to the door and opens it, you know, looking cozy and like nothing could possibly be a problem. Sure. So there's a man standing there, um, not dressed like a like a gendarme, like not not dressed in a police uniform, like he um, is kind of a, a normal patrol person, um, but maybe more of a, a detective. Um, mm. And he says, "Are you Mademoiselle Casut?" Oui. <laughs> you know, bon matin, good morning, welcome. Like you know, putting him at ease. Like, can I help you? Um, I have some information for you. Do you mind if I, do you mind if I step in? Yes, yes, come in. Do you need some tea, some coffee? Uh, no, that that's okay. You, you have a, a cousin here in Paris, right? Uh, uh Silly, Sylvia Deveren? Oui. And so, um, a little, little backstory here. So, um, Manu has... A cousin, though a cousin who's quite a bit older than she is, and so um, I think Manu probably refers to her as an aunt. Um, but she's the only family that Manu has in Paris. She's the only person from the from the rural from rural France that has also come to Paris, um, and she is a um, a my pronunciation is just so bad. Um, a, a couturier. She's a she's a she's a fashion designer and a a, a, mm-hmm. um, a dress a dressmaker. Fabulous. And so the police officer says, "Well, Mademoiselle, I'm I'm sorry to tell you she she was found dead this morning in her workshop." What? Yes, I I I know. I'm I'm so sorry to to be the one that has to to bring you this news, but um. Yes, she she was found this morning, and and we need you to, as as the as the next of kin in the area, to to come to the morgue and and identify the body for us. I I'm so sorry. What? And at this, like Manu is just in shock, like cannot ask any questions, like can't move, like 
Yeah, just frozen. I think Rose, like, seeing Manu struggle in that moment, takes a few steps forward. She's she's standing next to her, you know, and she kind of, she reaches, like, one of the, she reaches an arm out. She doesn't actually touch her, but it's kind of that hovering sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think she looks right at um, the police officer and, and says, like, very, you know, briskly, um, uh, what happened? How did this happen? Well... We were summoned to her workshop this morning by by her assistant, and it's the it's the strangest thing. It it seems as though she died of hypothermia, but the fire was still blazing in her workshop. It was quite warm in there, but as as far as I understand, the medical examiner confirmed she she died of hypothermia. It must she she must have gone out in the cold during the night or something like that, and made it back to her apartment, but not in time to, to warm up enough. Oh, ma chère. Ma Sylvie. And at this point, like, Manu is just starts, like, pacing the room, like, hands sort of in the air, like, how could this happen? Like, she, why would she do that? What, who has come for her? This is, it does not make any sense. Like, like more and more reaching a stage of, like, disbelief. This doesn't make any sense. Um, I think then while, while Manu is pacing, Rose you know, she just kind of moves right to action. She goes and 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 picks up her own coat, pulls on the sleeves, and um, picks up Manu's coat from where it's you know hung or draped potentially draped. over something. <laughs> um, and and she she sort of holds it out to her friend, and she looks back at the police officer and says, um, you know, uh, should we go now? Can we go now? Rose has made the assumption that she is coming along. Um, not always particularly great at those types of social cues, but has asserted herself in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that sort of, yeah, just guides Manu in the right way. She puts her arms into the sleeves automatically and says, yes, yes, we must we must go to her at once. So the police officer tells you that they have a carriage waiting outside to to bring you to the morgue um, to be able to to identify the body. Okay. So what do you think Ooh. the what do you think the atmosphere in the carriage is as the two of you are are heading to the morgue? Oof. I just still like not believing it. Like this is the one person I mentioned like her, feeling misunderstood by her family. Like this is the one person that has understood Manu that she's related to and has been like a bedrock of her life in Paris, like the the reason that she came here and how she started her life. So she it just feels like the the bedrock of her life is like been pulled out, you know? Oh, Manu. I think Rose is sitting in silence. <laughs> I think she's just sitting across from her friend, um, just sort of waiting for any conversation that might come, and in her own head is probably gathering all of the questions that she is prepared to ask this investigator once they go and see this aunt. Yeah, I think, like, this nervous energy Manu has is, like, she's, like, fiddling with her scarves and her jackets and her hair and, like, just um, not quite, not able to stay still with this knowledge. And expects in her mind, though he said they're going to the morgue, she's like picturing that they're going to be at her aunt's studio. Okay, okay. Um, So I think, Manu, as your mind is racing, trying to make sense of what has happened, disbelieving maybe, a little prickling starts coming in the back of your mind. Because you hadn't made this connection 
before when you were doing it. But about a week ago, you had gone to your cousin's or your aunt's workshop and allowed her to do some fittings on you for some for some dresses that she was making. And again, you hadn't made this connection before, but now you're starting to think like, you know, in, in my own way, did I did I sit for her in the same way that I have sat for other artists who have died in the past? <gasps> um, and I need you to roll me a composure check as you realize this. Um, so um, in the Yellow King this. RPG, yeah. in the Yellow King <laughs> RPG, there are general abilities and investigative abilities. Um, you don't roll for investigative ones, but you do roll for general abilities. And so this is one of those situations. You're going to be rolling a d6. You don't know what the difficulty level is, though an average is four. Um, and you can spend points from your composure pool if you would like to. Um, so would you like to spend um, any points from your composure pool? No, I, it makes sense that I'm not composed at all. And I rolled a two. You rolled a two. So because you failed your roll by more than one, you get the major shock card for mm. the situation called You Revisit a Past Source of Distress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Apt. <laughs> yes. Um, and so you you get the the shock card Kali Wobbles. Mm. Okay. Um, like wobbly legs? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just called Kali Wobbles, which I think is um, yeah. the, the minor shot card like, for this is butterflies. So it's a, it's a, it's a more serious version of the butterflies. Yeah. Um, and if you'll write this down, um, you get a minus one to focus tests. Mm. Um, the, the general abilities are divided into focus and something else. It's the, the more mental one. So compo mm. composure would count as that. Um, and you can discard it by nullifying the consequences of a previous setback, whatever we whatever we want to call that, um, or what, you know we we can we can interpret future events as nullifying the consequences of a previous setback. Um, so keep that in okay. mind, and also just remember that you now have one shot card, and three shot cards means that you go permanently insane. So uh, <laughs> this is this is the <laughs> just keep it's that right in mind. Out the gate. <laughs> 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 what but is it? it Manu wouldn't it have made sense day. to pass yeah. this right now, right? Like, probably can't. not. Probably. Yeah. Not. Um, all right. So the carriage takes you to the morgue, and I think the morgue is kind of a—it's a dark but sterile place, and they actually recently now have the technology technology quote unquote where they have the, the 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 freezing capability to keep bodies preserved and so there are maybe surprisingly more more like a morgue today than we would expect um in 1895 rows and rows of these kind of um drawers where where bodies are kept and you're ushered in to meet with the medical examiner who would like you to to examine the body or to identify the body like before they even get in the door like Manu is not fine she kind of gets out and is almost like just like wandering around in the snow and it's like what where, why are we here what are we you must take me to you must take me to Sylvia what, what are we doing here 
Um, and I think Rose, you know, seeing Manu's distress, that she seems to be unraveling a little bit, um, you know, she hesitates at first, but then she reaches out and, and, you know, with a strong hand, she grabs, she grabs her friend's hand, she holds it, and she says, we need to go, we need to go and see if this is your aunt. I'll come with you. And then she just starts to guide her inside. And that is like a very steadying hand. She like, almost like a child, just like follows at that point. So you go inside and you are, you are met by the medical examiner who takes you to a particular drawer and pulls it out. And you see the body of your cousin. It is, which of you has natural history? Or yeah, which of you has natural history? I don't. I mean, I have a. I don't have natural history. No. I think I might. I didn't write it down on the list, but we went through all those different. Mm-hmm. I think that I would from growing up on a farm. Mm-hmm. I think that I would. Have that. I think that's right. I think yeah. I think Manu has natural history, and you would just by looking at the body. It it looks like someone who suffered severe cold. There are. Mm-hmm wounds kind of at the at the tips of the extremities um and the medical examiner says mademoiselle can you confirm that this is your relative uh sylvia deveren oh god so when when the drawer opens and it's clear that it is sylvia i think manu drops rose's hand and like goes to her and puts you know like a one hand on each side of her face and is like, oh, my, my Sylvie, it's you, what has happened to you? And like, looks at her hands and like, almost like holds them up and like, pe- like how you would if someone were alive and had that of like, looking closely and, you know, feeling wounded that she is in that state. I don't even remember what question the officer asked. She, she did not Just answer can, the question. If, can, can, you, can you confirm that this is your cousin or your aunt? Oh, yes. This is my Sylvie. Oui. Can I, can I ask you, Mademoiselle, do you have do you have any idea what she might have been doing yesterday? No. No, why would anyone be out in this storm? It makes no sense. Yes, it it, it doesn't. And let me tell you, there's something else that doesn't make sense. I I performed the autopsy on Mademoiselle Deverin myself. And as you can see, and he kind of points at the, you know, at the extremities, the wounds on the extremities that you saw, there are clear signs here of, of perhaps frostbite. And most of the, most of the autopsy revealed signs of hypothermia, like she was out in the storm. But as I, as, as I was told, she was found in her workshop, the fire was still ablaze in there. And the strangest thing, her heart was frozen solid. And in fact, what? remains frozen solid. It still has not thawed. Son and I think, Manu, with your natural history um, ability, this makes no sense. Right? Like, that is not what happens in hypo- with, with hypothermia. And the idea that that the rest of her body, after it was in kind of a room with a fire, a warm room, and then was transported here, the fact that the rest of her body would be normal, I mean, she's dead, but normal, and that her heart would be frozen solid makes 
no sense whatsoever. Yeah, when Manu hears that, she, like, has been, again, holding her hand and, like, drops it and backs away and is like, like, her heart, no, 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 like, and then she turns, like, instantly and it's like, who has done this to her? You must find it. Who would do this? Like, this is evil is afoot, kind of, like. I don't know, mademoiselle. I I don't know. You you can speak with the police if you would like. Uh, I just am providing you with the information. I, I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, and like this just makes her even more mad. Like it's easier to be angry than it is to be hurt. You know, she's just like, this is, this is in your hands. You must, this, that this would happen in your city. Like you must, you must solve this. Though I do think at the back of her head, she must be thinking like, oh yeah, did I cause this? And that's like part of why she's like all of a sudden being like cruel. She's like, I cannot grapple with the fact that I could be to blame here. Like, I'm going to all of a sudden, like, blame everyone around me. So when you go back out and speak with the police, um, you know, maybe the, the officer who accompanied you on the carriage ride, they basically tell you that the heart thing is strange, but they're going to rule it as, as having died of exposure. And they don't plan to look into it anymore. Cops. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and now I'm I'm trying to think like as Sarah, I'm like, oh, it would make sense. She's like upset that she'd be like, I need you to tell me the names of the officers who are going to look into this, like where you're going to find out who is around her. Like, aren't you going to do your job? But then as Sarah, I'm like, well, shit, if she like thinks that she has something to do with it, she should not have them poking around. So I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, um, I need to figure out if she'll do that or not. I mean, I think that, you know, for Rose, who's just like, obviously, you know, she's like with Manu, just sort of like listening to all these exchanges. And, and the moment that the, um, the mortician, that's who we're speaking to, right? The mortician, the, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, makes that comment about the frozen heart, you know, Rose, um, she crosses herself. It's just like a very old (laughs) habit. Um, and, uh, so we've, they've, they've been taken outside of the room, right? Like they're no longer with the body. Yeah. Though, I mean, if there was something you wanted to do with the body, that's, that's fine. We can no, I don't think so. I think um, once they're outside and they've made it clear that they're not, you know, the heart thing is strange, but they're not going to do anything more than that. Um, I think Rose would, would turn to Manu and say, um, you know, uh, I think w- we need to, uh, we should talk with this uh, this assistant that that found your aunt, that, that none of this, none of this makes sense. Uh, how would a woman frozen solid make her way back into her home? Uh, you know, and I think, you know, maybe just, you know, obviously Rose doesn't have any of these. She has none of that natural history, but just from observing this body, right? Like she can tell that like, like her skin, like this woman's skin is still like, she has like the black, blackened fingers and stuff like that, but her skin is like pliable, right? Like it's not right. She's not, you know, it's like if you touch it, her you body is like, not oh, frozen like, solid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so enough for Rose to to say like there's something there's something strange about this 
Um, and so, you know, even if she had some for, I don't know, in her head, she's like, you know, she's, this is not the first dead body Rosa scene. <laughs> so there's, it's not too, like Yikes. seeing a, yeah, <laughs> dark, wow. I know. Seeing a dead body is like not super alarming for her, but hearing like in her head, she's like, even if this woman was alone in her workshop and, and there wasn't a fire and she was like, you know, frozen, whatever reason, that kind of thing, um, if this fire was even lit after, it doesn't make sense the way that her heart would still be frozen solid. There's just something very perplexing. And so for her, she is interested in knowing more information. I think there's a struggle there, though, because obviously Manu is her friend, but this is this is her aunt. This is her life. Like, perhaps she doesn't want to look further into this. I think Rose Rose's natural inquisitiveness and need for order in the world is making her say, no. The information we're being given doesn't make any sense and we should look into this, but she's a little hesitant. So I think well, that's what she says to Manu is, um, I, I think that we should talk to this assistant that found your aunt. Mm -hmm. if, that's, if that's something that you want to pursue, we should get something about this seems strange. Yes, we must go there. We must go to the studio. I want to see the place where she was. Can they just, like, jump into the carriage and just, like, expect the detective to bring them there? Uh, sure. Yeah, sure. Like, the carriage no is still outside. It's still snowing. It's like, how else would we get there? She gets in and she's like, bring us to the studio. Uh, is there an interpersonal investigative ability that you would like to use um, to to convince the the this police carriage that they should bring you somewhere else? I feel like Manu doesn't even, like stop to think that she would need to convince him. She just, like, is used to people, like, <laughs> okay. being around her and doing things for her. Yeah. I think the, I think the, the carriage driver, who's, like, not a police officer, this, mm -hmm. like, someone hired by the, by the police, is like, Mademoiselle, I, I was only supposed to bring you here and then, and then return you to your apartment. She's like, oh, no, no, it is okay. We just, we must go to the studio. You can bring us there. It's okay. Okay. Do you have, um... Bonhomie is that one? You're, mm -hmm. you're you're the one that has Bonhomie, right? I think yeah. that, I think Bonhomie probably is the one here that like people just naturally want to do things for you. Yeah, like if um, she needs to say some nice things to him, she will. But I, she's she doesn't even consider needing to do that. Just hops in and is like, no, no. Yeah, okay. I think I think Bonhomie is just meant to be like a. There is an air about you that like there is there is a pleasant air about you that just makes people want to do things for you. And so, and so, um, so are you going, I think you both said slightly different things. Are you going mm. to, are you going to the workshop or are you going to find the assistant? Because the assistant is no longer at the workshop. Mm. Oh, I think like Manu does want to see the workshop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rose is going to defer to what Manu wants to do in this situation. Sure. No problem. So this time, I mean, we can't just call the assistant, right? Like. You can, no, <laughs> no. There's no. There's. There's no. Yeah. Phones. <laughs> well, there, I think that I think there are phones, but like, you have. No, you don't even know the assistant's name, let alone where she lives yeah. or like what her phone number would be. <laughs> yeah. So there might be like some. There is electricity, though. Yes or no? There is some? electricity. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just googled when did Paris get electricity. <laughs> yes, they they do have electricity. <laughs> okay. So um, the the carriage rattles through the streets um and brings you to um the Montmartre 
Montmartre. Um, Montmartre. Mon- Thank you. <laughs> Montmartre um, <laughs> neighborhood. I couldn't help myself. Montmartre. Yeah. Yeah. Montmartre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, neighborhood, which is where your aunt Fishing. Sylvia's workshop was. Okay. Is there's there are no officers guarding the door. The door is unlocked. Wow. So it's like completely abandoned. Like I mean, yeah. So it's unlocked. There's nobody like guarding. Yeah, it. they it's don't seem to open. be. They don't seem to be caring about it yeah. at all. Yeah. Okay. I think Manu yeah. just like strides in. Like has been here obviously many times before. Sure. Has sure. been here recently for the fitting, and mm-hmm. kind of just like walks around and is like touching things of like, oh, my aunt has touched these. Like, I think oh. she sees little things. It's just like putting them in her pockets of just like needing to be in the space, kind of. Gotcha. Mm. So there is still a fire blazing in the fireplace. And it is, I mean, it, it at this point, it's like pretty warm. Like even with the cold outside, it's like pretty warm in here. Um, it seems like the fire has been going for a while. Not, not unnaturally so, but like, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense that like she would have died from hypothermia and would have been found in this room and that her heart would have been frozen. Um, like mm-hmm. n- none of that makes any sense. And it seems like she was working on a wedding dress. Like the the impression you get from like what is on the the like not mannequin but like the dress form. What are those things called? Yeah, the, the dress, dress form. form yeah. It seems like she's working on like a very elaborate. I mean, and you know, all of all of you know that all of the work that she does is custom work. Um mm-hmm. it's couture work. Um and seems like she's she was like putting the finishing touches on a wedding dress. Mm. I mean, I think for so Rose is following Manu in, you know, Manu has blazed a path like right into this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, Rose is following, but she's being maybe a little bit more meticulous about her steps. Like she came in, she, you know, she closed the door. She actually locks it behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, she gets inside uh, like you said, it's 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 warm in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's yep. you know. So I think she's she takes off her scarf very slowly, kind of scans the room, like tucks it in her pocket, and she's trying to look. She's trying to look at this room with a critical eye. Um, and so if 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 she is looking at this room with a critical eye, there is the fire at one end of the room. And then, like, where is the, is it, like, a bunch of tables? And then, like, the dress form mm-hmm. is near, like, that source of light kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's other mm-hmm. lights in there. The fire is yeah. clearly for warmth and not for light. Um, mm-hmm. There are, you know, there are, I think there are probably oil lamps. Um, maybe it's, maybe there's electricity hooked up. Maybe not. Maybe it's, maybe it's oil lamps. But it's, like, a well-lit room. Okay. That you would expect for an, an artist's workshop to really be able to, like, you know, do the work that they need to do. And there, yeah, there are tables, there's, you know, materials. There are other, um, you know, less finished pieces of clothing um, in there. Mm-hmm. But it, like, with a critic, like, kind of trying to figure out what was going on in this room, it's very much like it seems like to you that she was actively working on this dress. And fell over, oh, right? Like, is the, like the yeah. like the tools of the trade uh-huh. are are right there, like hanging with... on the dress. Well, okay, yeah. Like she, like like uh-huh. like something caused her to kind of very quickly stop 
working on the dress, whether it was her dying or whether it was something that like caused her to go outside or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it looks like she she just kind of wow. like dropped what she was doing. Okay, but there's no, and I don't know if I need to have a certain ability for this, but there's nothing that suggests like a specific like struggle. Like there isn't like things that seem like they've been knocked on the floor or like something upturned or like a window cracked open or anything like that. No, nothing like that. Okay. Okay. So Manu is like, it's subconscious, but like she is not over there looking at that dress. Obviously she recognizes it. You know, she like was around when it was being created, but she's just like wandering. Like she sees like scraps of paper with her aunt's handwriting and like puts them in her pocket. She's like, oh, I want this. And then she kind of like sits by the fire and just collapses in front of it. Like sits on the ground is like, and starts crying at this point, and it's like, oh, man, oh, Rose, it makes no sense. Her heart was not cold. It was the most warm heart. Like, is not willing to, like, start putting pieces together. Mm. And so, Manu, it, you think you you think you talked with your aunt about this particular piece of uh, this particular work that she was working on? I think she wouldn't have asked so many questions about it. It, it would have felt just very normal. Like, oh, she needed someone who would fit a gown like this and, like, of course, I'm that size. Um, sure. Mm-hmm. And would it make sense that she has done this for her, like, before? Or it's the first time that she's ever really been, like... I don't know. What do you think? So I think it would make sense that she would have done this before, you know, like, as... Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like, for the story, does it make more sense that it's the first time because it's leading to her death? No, I, I mean, I think it's it's fine either way. I think, yeah, this would have happened for, like, as soon as she was, like, had curves or whatever in... The village, like her aunt would, you you know, they're very close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's probably why it never even crossed your mind that this like might be connected to the other thing until now she's wound up dead. And yeah. Right. Yeah. She thought nothing of it. It was just like, oh, this is a normal thing that we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think when I when Manu sort of collapses on the floor and and she's crying, she's probably crying in earnest like Mm now. (laughs) Um you know, Rose Rose goes over to her and, and she kind of, she kneels down next to her. She doesn't really get all the way down on the floor, but she kneels down next to her and, and she puts she puts an arm around her friend, but her eyes are still on the dress form. So she's she's kind of holding uh, Manu a little, like a little closer to her, but she's looking at this dress form and she's thinking, um, probably not doing the best job at comforting, but there's just so much happening right now that I think her brain is really just like ticking away so she's kind of uh you know giving Manu this side hug and and she says to her um there has to be there has to be an explanation for this uh I don't I don't see any here anything here that suggests that um someone else was here I mean I'm not I'm not sure but uh do yeah do you know who this dress was for it it looks like a very fine dress would rose be able to tell it's a wedding dress probably right? yeah yeah for sure okay for all right sure. okay um yeah she says you know this this wedding dress do you know who this was for who was expecting this no i wish i knew i never ask these things i just i stand for the dress everything she made she made with love it makes no sense her heart is frozen no it cannot be it does I not think... answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, think, I yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah. She's just like, yeah. <laughs> made love with a warm heart. <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, the passion. You could tell why she's amused, right? It's just very, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think Rose then 
perhaps a little prematurely, gets up and leaves her friend who's weeping beside mm-hmm. the, the fireplace. She, and she, she, she's going to feel good. Yeah. She, yeah, she walks closer to, I think she walks closer to that dress form and she, and she walks around it a little bit and maybe takes a look at the desk and, and to see if there's any, like, um, you know, papers on it about, like, sketches she's done to see if there's any names or anything. Um, yeah, is that something I can just, is there anything that would stand out to her? Do, or should I suggest something that I? No, no. Do you have yeah. um? Do you have research, or is it Manu that has research? I do have research. It's okay. one of like the sub ones under the investigative abilities. But yep. yes, I do have research. Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah. so you start kind of looking through the papers on the desk, and you find what you think is a what you think is is kind of a you know the record of the of the different things that she has been contracted to create. And it looks to you like this dress is meant for a woman named Denise Danton. And she was hired by her father, Charles Danton, for her for her upcoming wedding. Mm. Okay. And and Rose has I mean, she has some things like a official dumb. And so is this a name that would be familiar to her? Like, is this like a prominent society name? Or? I think I think I think no, I think Manu Manu has society. I think I okay. think Manu would be the only, would be the one who would have to recognize um, the name if you tell her. Yeah. One. Yeah. I think Rose will. You know, she's I think before she goes to touch these papers she takes a quick self-conscious look at her hands and she wipes them down her apron and then goes and picks up these papers and once she reads that name i think she holds she holds it up and she looks over to manu and she reads it out loud Mm. um uh, danton is this is this a name that you know and so manu you know the name charles danton he is a rubber magnate so he's not he's not a risk he's not um Aristocrats. Why am I? Why can't I say anything? Why can't I say any words today? Yes, he's not aristocracy. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he is kind of. Um, he's kind of. He's kind of nouveau riche. Um, mm-hmm. He is. A, he's a rubber magnate. And I think at this part, Manu is starting to pull herself together. You know, she's like sitting by the fire. She's got her coat and her scarves on. Is crying, sweating. And it's like so. She kind of like brushes her hair back and is like, "Oh, ami de mon coeur, like friend of my heart, like." Merci, merci. Okay, and then she's like, "I do know him. Yes, the rich man." Yeah, and so you've, you've, yeah, you've, you've heard that that his daughter um, has a wedding. You think? I mean, if it's not this weekend, it's next weekend, or it's 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 coming up very very soon. Okay. Does she know anything else about the couple? Like the, uh, I mean, she's marrying just... like it, the son of a of another industrialist. You know, it's just kind of a. It seems it seems very much like a a, a an accurate match. Based on okay. everything you know, but it is supposed to be quite the uh, quite the affair. Okay, mm. this wedding is, is is a nice wedding, you know. Nothing to nothing big of the heart, but it is nice. Mm. It's not a heart stopping wedding. And I think <laughs> <laughs> I I think you um, Rose, you you tell this to Manu. You tell you read this name off, and then you look across the room at her. And the fireplace is kind of burning over there. And maybe you even miss exactly what Manu is mm-hmm. saying. Because over her shoulder, no, there is on the kind of the brick of the fireplace, in like ice and snow, 
that has somehow not melted, even though it's like right by no. the fireplace, is a strange symbol. Fuck. In all, like like drawn in ice and snow on the wall, and that is where we're going to end our story <laughs> for now. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> This is a really good winter scenario. (laughs) Isn't it so good? It's like so good. (laughs)